Gracious God, I pray now that you would help us to be attentive to your word and Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that as my words line up with your words, that they would fall on ears and hearts, ready to receive them and respond. And God, if I say anything that isn't from you, I pray that those words would quickly be forgotten. And I pray these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the priests here at Truro. This morning, we are going to continue talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus as we continue to work our way through the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to open it to Luke chapter 14. If you didn't bring a Bible with you or don't have a Bible, you can find it on page 874 of the Bibles in the pews. Or, of course, you can Google it. And your phone will magically take you right to Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Now, how many of you, show of hands, have a smartphone in your pocket? Most of us. Okay, now every time I open my smartphone back up, it seems like there's something that needs to be updated all the time. And I'm always hesitant to update because I'm not sure if my phone is going to continue to function after I update, because it's a little bit on the older side, but constantly it feels like my phone is sending me new terms and conditions for each and every app. And these terms and conditions are lengthy, and Lord knows I am not a lawyer, so the language is awfully difficult for me to understand, and so maybe you're like me. feels like every time I open an app up, there's new terms and conditions, and I swipe quickly to the bottom, and I press accept, and I go on my day. Because, you know, I need to get into whatever it is is there and the terms and conditions are in between me and that place. Of course, they do this on purpose, right? The people who make our phones and make the apps on our phones, they, they make the terms and conditions complicated. They design them so that we swipe through it as quickly as possible, hit accept so we can get on with our day. Of course, they don't want us to read the terms and conditions because if we did we might be less inclined to accept them. I was having a conversation with a friend just this past week at lunch, and she was telling me about Alexa. Now, how many of you have Alexa in your homes? I've said that word twice now, so Jeff Bezos is inevitably listening to us as we speak. And, and she was there, it was starting to get dark, and she asked Alexa to turn the lights off, right? And if you've got lights connected to Alexa, great. You don't have to actually get up and turn out the lights. You just say, Alexa, turn out the lights. You can stay in bed. Bada bing, bang, boom. And she said, Alexa answered her. And Alexa said, I can turn off the lights. And Alexa also said, if you'd like, I can set it so that as soon as you start snoring, the lights can automatically be turned off. (laughs) And it was at that point that my friend said, I think Alexa is a little bit too close. They do it on purpose, of course. They don't want us to read the terms and conditions because they want as many people as possible to download their app and use their products so that they can sell our information, right? I can have a conversation about anything in my living room and the next thing I know, Instagram is telling me to buy that thing, right? Oh, Jesus is not like that at all. Our text this morning, Jesus makes perfectly clear what the terms and conditions to follow him are. 
You see, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem and his death, and he has been progressively now for the last several chapters upping the ante with those who follow him, so to speak. He's been upping the ante in the way that he talks about discipleship, and yet if you look with me at verse 25, great crowds accompanied him. You would think that if these great crowds really understood where Jesus was heading and what the cost was of following him, perhaps the crowds would not have been so big. And in fact, we see that happen with Jesus. As he gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, as Jesus gets closer and closer to the cross, the number of followers gets smaller and smaller and smaller until as he hangs on the cross, you could count them on one hand. In today's reading, Jesus makes the cost of following him pretty clear. Crystal clear, actually. He lays out the terms and conditions, and he invites those following him to, this is crazy, actually consider the terms and conditions. To think about them, rather than just scrolling quickly through and clicking yes so that we can get on with our day. Here's what Jesus is essentially saying in our text. You want to be my disciple? Consider the terms and conditions. If you look with me, he does that starting in verse 26. He lays out the terms and conditions of being his disciple right up front in two parts. First, verse 26 and 27, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I know there's no Sunday school today, so let me speak to the kids. You are here in the room. Kids, listen up. This is for you, okay? Here's the question. Is Jesus actually telling you to hate your mom and dad? I mean, it's what he says. But no, of course not. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that we're supposed to honor our mother and father I'm sorry, kids, you still need to do that. Honor your mom and dad. So what does Jesus mean then if he says, anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters? Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What does Jesus mean? Okay, now if you've been taking English, kids, you've been learning language arts, there's something you will learn at some point. It's called hyperbole, all right? A hyperbolic statement where an author is going to exaggerate on purpose to prove a point. Jesus is using strong language here on purpose. He doesn't actually want you to hate your parents, but he wants to make sure you actually listen up. The same way just now I said, kids, this is for you, listen up. I noticed all these heads suddenly looking up at the pulpit. That's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, I want you to listen closely. That's why I'm using these strong words. And this is what Jesus is asking. He's not asking you to hate your mom and dad or your spouse. He is asking his followers, he's asking you and me to follow him wholeheartedly. Half-hearted discipleship isn't actually discipleship at all. Half-hearted discipleship isn't actually discipleship at all. As one commentator put it, to follow Jesus means to follow Jesus, not anyone or anything else. That's the first part of the terms and conditions, wholeheartedness. The second part is the cross. Jesus tells his disciples back in chapter 9, which we talked about, I think, back in June, 
to pick up their cross daily. And he says it again right here in verse, what is that, 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be his disciple. This is an image that followers of Jesus would have been familiar with. They would have seen people pick up a cross and head to the outskirts of town. It's an image that would have been right familiar and it would have been a one-way journey. When you pick up a cross, you don't put the cross back down. You carry it to the outside of town where the Romans nailed you to it. It's a one-way journey. It reminds me of the old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Friends, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. There's no ifs or ands or buts about it. And it's a way that requires single-minded commitment. It's the way of ultimate self-denial. It's a one-way walk of suffering and death, of giving oneself away for the sake of others. This is the way of Jesus, and it is certainly costly. But it is in our cross-bearing, our giving ourselves away, that we most completely experience Jesus' heart and love for us. That place where sin and justice and love and mercy meet. As John Calvin put it, in bearing the cross, we are companions of Christ. Everything to lose for sure, even unto death. But friends, even more to gain. As Dane Ortland puts it in his lovely book, Gentle and Lowly, for the Christian, death is not an end but a beginning. It's not a wall but a door. It's not an exit, but an entrance. These are the terms and conditions. Jesus lays them out. You want to be my disciple? It means wholeheartedly following Jesus in the way of the cross. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. And y'all, these are serious commitments. Death to self and a commitment to giving it all away for the sake of others, those are not terms that ought to be skimmed over. You can't just scroll past those as much as we might try. And so Jesus wants to make absolutely sure that they don't do so. He said, here's the terms and conditions. Are you listening? And now he's going to give us two parables, twin parables, to make sure that we're not actually skipping the terms. First, a building. Verse 28, look with me at this. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And second, verse 31, the parable is about going to war. Or what king? Going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Two twin parables to make sure we're not just scrolling right past the terms and conditions that are similar but make slightly different points. In the first parable, Jesus says, sit down and reckon whether you can afford to follow me. In the second, he says, sit down and reckon whether you can afford to refuse my demands. 
Sit down and consider whether you can afford not to follow me. Now, in both times, maybe you notice this, in verse 28 and then again in verse 31, Jesus repeats himself. And any time there's a repetition in the Bible, we ought to pay attention. So if you've got your own Bible, this would be good to circle. Both times, Jesus says the builder and the king are to sit down and consider what was before them. They ought to sit down. He repeats that phrase twice. These are not decisions that are be, to be made in a hurry, but decisions that are meant to be thought through, to be considered, that require sitting down and thinking about it. Here's the thing. Jesus has plenty of fans. He's got plenty of admirers. And there are plenty of churchgoers who don't do much more than keep a pew warm. Jesus isn't looking for fans. Jesus isn't looking for admirers. Jesus isn't looking for pew sitters. Jesus is looking for disciples. Jesus is looking for men and women and kids who have counted the cost of following him and who have decided to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He's looking for disciples who have committed to running with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the challenge for Jesus' audience then. It's the challenge for us today. It's the invitation to consider. Do you want to be a fan or an admirer? One who's skimmed through the terms and conditions, collect okay so you can get on with the rest of your life? Or do you want to be a disciple? One who's counted the cost and has decided to trust and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Because that's what Jesus requires. It's what Jesus is asking of those who follow him. And just to make sure we get it, he says it one last time in verse 33. Listen to this. Jesus says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is quite clear. There's no mistaking those terms and conditions. All that one has. One cannot be a half-hearted disciple of Jesus. In fact, he says it three times. I mentioned just a moment ago, anytime there's repetition in the Bible, we ought to pay attention. In verse 26, in verse 27, in verse 33, he uses the phrase, cannot be my disciple. If you don't count the cost, if you don't give it all to him, if you don't follow him with your whole life, picking up your cross, you cannot be a disciple. So friends, this morning, consider the terms and conditions. Sit down, take a moment, decide if you're all in or not. 
because you can't half-heartedly carry a cross. Jesus isn't looking for fans or churchgoers, but disciples willing to give themselves away for his sake, just as he gave himself away for us. Will you stand and pray with me? Gracious God, I do pray this morning that you would help us to consider the cost. God, not to skim past these words. Oh, that would be an adventure in missing the point. But instead, God, help us to sit down, to make decisions to trust and follow you. God, I do pray that there would be many of us this morning here in this room who would count that cost and who today would say, yes, I'm in. I want to follow you, whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time. I pray, God, that you would help us to trust you above all else. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.